People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. A serious subject this week because we're all somewhat startled by what's going on in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. We see awful pictures on television, hear awful numbers. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that my guest this week is Zvinka Kachur, who is co-founder and now honorary president of the Ukrainian Association of South Africa. Zvinka is passionate about promoting Ukraine culture, uniting Ukrainians, and building strong, resilient community. She comes from a family of activists and grew up being part of the independence movement in Ukraine. She's got various degrees from Oxford and from Kiev, and she's lived in South Africa since 2011 and also works in social development supporting NPO sectors in South Africa, which monitor and evaluate things. So, Zvinko, welcome. It's great to have you here, even under really quite tragic circumstances. Thanks a lot for having me and also for allowing me to talk about Ukraine and South Africa. Well, I want to know, first of all, what the Ukrainian Association of South Africa actually does. What is what is its purpose? So it's a non-profit organization that was established, uh, legally registered in 2017 to bring more cooperation between Ukraine and South Africa. We as Ukrainians feel very strongly that there are lots in common. Uh, so we were trying to encourage uh, cultural exchanges between poets, uh, between uh, filmmakers, um, also exhibitions. In our understanding, Ukraine and South Africa are going through similar processes. We got our independence at the beginning of 90s, and we are continuing to build our identity, to rediscover our identity, to work on our institutions, to understand our democratical processes. And in that sense, the principles of freedom of human rights are at the core of our societies. So when we cooperate with the neighboring countries, it doesn't give the same perspective because you always have certain past relationship uh, that doesn't allow you to focus on the um, bigger picture. But uh, what we've noticed when our poets uh, or painters uh, would come uh, to from Ukraine to South Africa or the other way around, they could see the society and mirror themselves uh, in the distance without feeling any necessarily pain from the past. So we also organized the Ukrainian festival uh, since 2017 annual event in the Cape Town that uh, brought few thousand uh, people every time to promote Ukrainian culture because it's a very old and interesting um, uh, tradition in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Are there Ukrainians living in Cape Town? Yes, uh, so we've done the study together with um, a research institute uh, in Ukraine uh, in 2020 that uh, according to statistics there are 6,000 of Ukrainians that are permanently or temporarily living in um, uh, South Africa. Major cities are Cape Town, Johannesburg, and Durban. But we also have representatives in uh, Limpopo and uh, Quebec. Do we have an ambassador here from Ukraine in South Africa? Yes, uh, so embassy, Ukrainian embassy is in uh, Pretoria and it covers 10 African countries. Okay, and uh, 
by contrast, does South Africa have an ambassador there? I should know that, but I don't. Yes. Uh, so, well, because of the shortage, South Africa pulled out the ambassadors from many neighboring countries, but uh, until a recent uh, war, ambassador was based in uh, Kiev. At the moment, uh, there is no embassy in Kiev. Did South Africa call him back? He had to run away from um, Russian missiles. Okay. So the relationship really then between South Africa and Ukraine is really quite good, isn't it? Yes, I think we have a common past because obviously Ukraine played a big role in the anti-apartheid movement and a lot of um, ANC activists uh, studied uh, in Ukraine and have a close, warm connection to Ukraine. So from that point of view, yes, Ukraine has uh, a very long uh, connection to uh, South Africa. Currently, trade uh, could still develop uh, better and uh, obviously my focus uh, um, is on cultural cooperation I feel there is also a big niche uh, still to work on because that makes it then all the more strange that our our government has abstained from voting in the United Nations and is not supporting Ukraine as much as they should be they are sitting on the fence a little bit as we know in this situation, I think it's quite uh, difficult to understand South African government, even we are uh, trying. Um, if you look at the reaction of South African governments to previous conflicts on the African continent or abroad, the first step that uh, was announced is to remove of military forces. And this is exactly what uh, Lady Pander, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, asked uh, on the 24th of February as the war started. However, this... Uh, statement has been changed uh, to more what South Africa calls uh, neutral uh, stance to say that there should be peace talks. It's quite difficult to have a peace talks uh, at the time when your country is bombed and uh, thousands of civilians are killed, including hundreds of uh, children. So it's difficult to understand uh, why South African government at, at the moment is not necessarily following South African constitution and legacy of Nelson Mandela, Steve Biko, Desmond Tutu, those giants uh, of anti-apartheid movement who were talking about human rights, democracy and freedom. Well, now, what I would like to do, because you can imagine, Zvinko, that uh, there's quite a lot I want to talk to you about, just also just about the man in the street in Ukraine, apart from all the politics and all the blustering from Russia. But I think you've brought along some Ukrainian music, haven't you? And what then is the first piece we're going to listen to? Tell us what we can expect. So the first piece was written in 1970 by a young um, composer who was studying medicine, similar to many um, South African and African students in Ukraine. So he was not a professional composer, uh, but he comes from the uh, family of uh, poet. Uh, and um, the song is called Cervona Ruta. Uh, so it's a romantic song uh, where a uh, man is um, uh, saying to his uh, loved one that uh, you don't need to uh, look for a magic flower. I already love you. So in Ukraine, in our folk uh, tradition, uh, Ivana Kupala is uh, coming still from the pagan times because Ukrainian culture is quite old, like Tripilia culture is 6,000 years old uh, at the territory of Ukraine. And some of those beliefs uh, go very deeply. So one of them is that once uh, during uh, the uh, summer solstice, uh, the, the flower uh, comes that if you find this flower, 
the person that you love will be in love with you as well. So this song is a romantic song saying you don't need to look for that flower. I already love you. And um, while it, uh, the song uh, is rooted in the folk uh, narratives and uh, tradition, the uh, composer himself, uh, unfortunately, he was found uh, dead uh, quite young in his early 20s. And uh, the song was um, prohibited. While it has nothing to do with um, politics, it's a romantic song, but it was seen as something that uh, amplifies uh, the national movement in Ukraine. So during the Soviet time, the pro-Ukrainian independence movement was very strong and it was constantly repressed on the multiple levels, including in the way of song that uh, seemingly has nothing to do with Ukraine.
Well, there's some Ukrainian music for you. I just want to ask my guest, Zavinka Kacher, to back announce it. What was that called? So it was the song Chervona Ruta by Volodymyr Ivasyuk. And it's very popular for Ukrainians of all ages to sing it. When uh, Ukrainian community gets together, this is the first song that uh, comes up because everybody would know. It doesn't <laughs> matter of old or young. Uh, this is a very uh, common song for Ukrainians to sing together. My guest on People of Note this week is Zavinka Kachur, who is the co-founder and honorary president of the Ukrainian Association of South Africa. And we're here to discuss Ukraine, but also to discuss this dreadful war. And one of the things you said just before the song, you spoke about how ancient Ukraine is. And I was astonished to learn that Kiev is much older, centuries older than Moscow. Yes, uh, so um, Kiev and uh, Rus uh, was, um, uh, and Kiev was uh, established in the ninth um, century, and uh, for many centuries, uh, one of the largest European um, civilization um, had very developed diplomatic relationship with majority of uh, European uh, kingdoms at that time, and then was uh, destroyed in the 1240 by uh, Chinggis Khan by Mongol. Tatar Mongols. Oh, okay. So it seems to me that Ukraine actually has had quite a turbulent past, hasn't it? It's been many years of being very peaceful, but it's also had horrible uprisings, horrible takeovers, attempts by Russia. It's had a turbulent history. So if you look at the Ukrainians, the center of the culture is peasantry, growing food and farming culture. Uh, and that's what goes as deep as 6,000 years old, Tripilla culture. So the growing grains uh, was always um, in the heart of Ukrainian culture. There are also no instances when Ukrainian would go and attack other uh, lands to take on land. But uh, the relationship with Russia has been very difficult uh, for uh, last 300 uh, years as um, uh, Russia was trying to colonize uh, Ukraine by prohibiting uh, language, uh, starting from 17th century, also uh, not allowing schools or universities uh, to be taught in Ukrainian language. Oh, really? And is the Ukrainian language very different from Russian? Yes, so it's separate language while it's uh, still from the Slavic group. Mm -hmm. So for those listeners that are uh, familiar with uh, Bantu languages or maybe with uh, uh, Francophone languages, obviously each language is different, but if your ear is used to the language, you can easier to understand. So if you speak analytically, Ukrainian language is closest to Belarus and to Polish language and then to uh, Russian. But it's also close to Czech, to Slovak, uh, Slovenian, uh, to Bulgarian. So all those Slavic languages coming from the same group. Um, mm -hmm. The number of uh, letters is different. Um, obviously, pronunciation is uh, different. So if I would tell you, thank you for inviting me to this program. So in Ukrainian, it would be Dyakuyu za zaproshenya. And in Russian, it would be Spasibo za Priglashenie, uh, which uh, sound very different. Very different. Uh, but yeah. uh, there are a lot of words that are similar. Mm -hmm. In schools in Ukraine at the moment, well, before the war, are children forced to learn Russian or not? No, uh, since uh, Ukrainian independence, nobody is forced to learn uh, Russian. But obviously, the uh, pressure of the past 
uh, was very difficult on Ukrainian language. Mm. So um, uh, recently the government was trying to support learning Ukrainian language instead. Mm-hmm. And I made an interesting uh, mistake when we were just coming to the studio here at Zvinku and I spoke of the Ukraine. And you said, no, 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 we are not the Ukraine, we are Ukraine. Just tell me the background to that. So when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, it was part of something, and uh, then you refer to Ukraine as the Ukraine. However, since independence, since 1991, it's independent country, and then we don't use the article. So it, I'm not an expert on English grammar, <laughs> but this is our colonial past that we are sensitive to, and I think South African understand that, because uh, we are sensitive to monuments, we are sensitive to names of the streets, similar to many South Africans, because that past, that pressure that you experienced in the past, it doesn't go away. Mm, Gosh. You mentioned just now rural people, the farming industry and all that. Is there a big divide between the rural people and the people in the cities? Are they quite different people? Uh, It's difficult for me to judge because I can only speak from my personal uh, experience, uh, but rural areas are usually more open and uh, obviously the social connections are much stronger comparing to you know, city Kiev is uh, three to five million of uh, people, so obviously it's much more globalized mm-hmm. and doesn't have such a strong face. Even um, uh, Kiev itself, Ukrainian capital, has uh, still a lot of uh, those churches from Kiev and Rus uh, time that have not been bombed during the Second World War and the First World War and uh, haven't been destroyed by Mongols. And we really hope that they will also withstand the Russian invasion uh, today because uh, some of the beautiful uh, Orthodox uh, churches were built uh, in the first uh, century. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe thousand. Ukraine, isn't Ukraine the cradle of the Orthodox Church? It's the sort of the home of the Orthodox Church. So Ukraine was uh, baptized in uh, 1998, and from Kiev, uh, the uh, Christianity spread to other uh, countries, including to the uh, later established uh, Moscovia. Mm -hmm. And one of the things then you talk about these churches that have this fantastic history and are so beautiful and are probably filled with wonderful artifacts, you wonder why Putin wants to bomb them. Um, Why would he want to destroy them? Why does he want to destroy this beautiful country and all its artifacts and architecture and history? I think uh, Putin is coming from a different uh, perspective. Uh, He does not recognize existence of Ukraine. So in his colonial understanding, Ukraine is part of Russia. While Ukraine has been independent country and has been fighting for its independence for multiple centuries, uh, for Putin, Ukraine does not exist. And uh, in that sense, Russia, Putin specifically, feels that Ukraine is part of Russia and they have to take it by force, even if people stand on the street and telling, no, we want freedom, we want our democracy. Gosh. Okay, well, let's have another piece of music. Um, You've brought some Ukrainian music to Inca, so what are we going to have now? What's our next piece? So this one is called uh, Ukraine, and uh, it was uh, written in uh, 1989 uh, by Taras Patranenko. So this was a big um, movement towards independence, especially after the Chernobyl accident in 1986. Suddenly, society, people in Soviet Union... uh, became very aware that the state can lie. And I really hope that this is the situation now in Russia, that the 
people will be more aware that the information that they get is not true. So when Chernobyl happened, we received suddenly a lot more information that the state did not share with us. And it created this window of opportunity for people to go on the streets to protest and to fight for Ukrainian independence. And that's uh, when this song was um, written. It's uh, also like uh, one of the anthems and a uh, few of the songs that I'm going to be uh, singing like every Ukrainian will be uh, familiar with. Uh, so when we organize uh, protests now in front of Russian embassy or Dirko, we also play the song because uh, it talks how uh, Ukrainians uh, putting their hearts to their motherland. Дороги іншої не треба, поки зорить чумацький шлях. Я йду від тебе і до тебе, по золотих твоїх стежках. Мені
Another piece of Ukrainian music here on People of Note this week for my guest, Dzvinka Kachua. And Dzvinka, you need to back announce that and tell us what we've just heard. So it was a song, uh, Ukraina, uh, written by Taras Petronenko uh, in the rise of Ukrainian independence uh, at the end of the 80s. And it became uh, very popular. So people on the streets, when the... Um, people get at Independence Square, there you would always have this uh, song, people sing it, they light the, the fire, flags, the flags and, yes, and yes. fires and uh, sing together and wave. Savinka, tell me a little bit about daily life in Ukraine. Well, we have to say now before the war, the cities, for example, what are, they, are there lots of young people? Is it like, does it feel Western uh, clubs and cinemas and restaurants and good clothes and things? What's uh, it like living in Ukraine? Yes, uh, so our IT industry is very strong, which influences like uh, everyday life because uh, the technology is very developed. So you can see that people are uh, very clued up on uh, technology, also full of nice uh, restaurants, parks. Kiev is uh, uh, quite a green city. There is a big uh, river, Dnieper, going uh, in the middle, dividing the uh, city to the left bank and right bank. This is Kiev. Kiev, yes. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, are there lots of young people there? People don't leave the country. They stay there, do they, and want to be part of Ukraine? It's uh, both. Um, so our migration is neutral because there are a lot of uh, people who come to stay in Ukraine from other countries. But uh, also, you know, the uh, brain drain is uh, quite strong because mm -hmm. uh, there are even special programs uh, for Ukrainians to go to Europe or Canada. Uh, those Because uh, population is... Uh, very well educated majority of um, uh, adults have uh, higher degrees uh, so they are in high demand uh, those who are researchers or uh, as i've mentioned like uh, it industries very uh, engineers uh, doctors there were also uh, doctors uh, who were coming uh, to south africa at the beginning of 90s when there was a program for doctors to uh, those who studied in the Soviet uh, Union to come and work in South Africa and our community has some of those doctors who moved here in 90s and remain and uh, serve South Africa. Mm -hmm. Now I was just thinking, you know when the Soviet Socialist Republic, the USSR broke up, when that all broke up, just trying to think now, was Ukraine was still part of Russia then, was it? So Soviet Union was uh, a union of 15 republics That's and right. Ukraine was one of was them. Was one of them, yeah, yeah, okay. So when it broke up, then what happened? Did Ukraine still belong to Russia? No, Ukraine became independent uh, country. So each, uh, Ukraine voted uh, for its independence in 1991 and 92% of population voted to be independent country, including Crimea and including eastern part of Ukraine, which is often manipulated as Ozosa. Those were people more pro-Russian. Uh, so we have the data of referendum where majority of people everywhere around Ukraine say we want to be independent country. Mm -hmm. You had a president, I think, who was quite pro-Russia, uh, and there were various uprisings, the maiden revolution and all that. Can you just give me a little bit of the Orange Revolution, was it? The, what was it called? The Revolution of Dignity. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yes, um, so it, it is a difficult topic to address in a short period of time, uh, but um, uh, basically uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed, there were three difficult uh, topics that uh, remain for Ukraine. One is nuclear weapon, because the controlling point was in Russia, but uh, the nuclear weapons themselves were on the territory of Ukraine. So in 1994, Ukraine gave up those nuclear weapons to get officially the protection of its territorial integrity from UK, US and um, Russia. The second difficult uh, point was the Russian fleet, um, which remained on the territory of Ukraine in 1996. When uh, Ukraine approved its constitution, we said we are neutral, um, so we're not going to join any military unions and we also don't want any military bases on the territory of Ukraine. So there was a plan made for the uh, Russian military fleet to remove from the territory of Ukraine until 2017. But also economically, uh, Soviet countries were very connected. The uh, way economic worked was that the part of the car was produced in Kazakhstan, the engine would be produced in Ukraine, and then it, everything would be collected in, assembled in uh, Russia. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, it created a lot of economical challenges. And uh, that's uh, when the privatization and the uh, transferring from planned economy to market economy created oligarchy. So in 2000, um, uh, Vladimir Putin came to power in um, uh, Russia and started to control the oligarchs. But Ukraine remained in having various oligarchs that would be influencing politics. So if you look at Ukrainian history of uh, presidents, elect presidential elections, the power would be transferred between different uh, uh, presidents and between different political parties. Then in 2004, during the presidential uh, elections, Russia tried to intervene into that elections and to falsify those elections. I was in Ukraine at the time. I was a student and I was observer. So I can explain to you exactly yeah, how that how was happened, uh, uh, yeah. happening, how the bulletins would be put in or people would be paid to take out their bulletin so that the, um, the person that is manipulated puts the right mark. And then they sell this already used bulletin to the next person and the, the person needs to bring the empty bulletin. <laughs> so there are lots of techniques and um, uh, police was pressurizing in, uh, independent observers uh, like us uh, by threatening to put into prison if we report uh, those falsification. So when the elections were announced and the falsification was were so obvious, uh, and it's not just falsification on election day, but also manipulating of information prior to election, people went to the street and said, we don't believe into this system. So after standing uh, on the Independence Square f during peaceful protest in 2004, well, into 2005, it was during the winter, Constitutional Court made the decision that uh, uh, there should be re-elections. And the other candidate, the more pro-Western candidate, was elected in 2005. In 2013, it was a similar uh, story, but slightly different. These were not the elections, but um, uh, abruptly... Uh, Ukrainian uh, president, pro-Russian Ukrainian president, uh, decided to not sign the agreement, which was according to Ukrainian legislation, but instead to borrow significant amount money from uh, Russia 
small group of students went to the street to say, we disagree with what's happening. Already having experience of 2004, when so many people went to the peaceful protest, which um, scared the um, pro-Russian government, uh, the uh, police reacted very violently. Students were beaten and um, uh, such reaction from uh, police and the government caused that thousands of people reacted to and went to the streets. If that student protest would not be taken down so aggressively, uh, probably such reaction would not be possible. But because of uh, very violent response of uh, police, this led to another massive protest that lasted for a long time and uh, this time caused lives of more than 100 protestants. My goodness me. How, just remind me, Zvinka, how this current president got in as a comedian with no um, political experience. When was that, Zelensky? When did he get elected? With a sort of landslide, wasn't it? Yeah, so Zelensky was elected in 2019, which once again proves that Ukraine has free and fair mm. elections because mm. uh, he represented completely new political party, was not linked to the political party of the president that was uh, before. He has zero experience in uh, public service and 73% of Ukrainian population voted for him, uh, aiming to see some change, um, change in the uh, way Ukraine is uh, governed. And now, do you agree that he's the sort of world hero? He's being set up, I was reading an article in the Spectator magazine yesterday, a fascinating article about him, just saying that um, it's what the world needs, certainly Ukraine, a strong leader who's prepared to stand in the street and fight. We don't have strong leaders in America or England at the moment. I think uh, it's a type of leadership that needed at different times. You see, like before the war, I maybe would be criticizing that he doesn't work very well with the institutions because he doesn't come from institutions. He doesn't mm. understand how the institutions work. So in that situation, I maybe would think that uh, we could have somebody who has more experience, who can uh, work uh, on the statehood much better. But in the time of war, it's a absolute chaos institutions don't work mm. and I think uh, in this situation he is a person with a strong heart so in this situation I think his leadership is uh, critical the way he prioritizes human life about everything and uh, that's what for him from uh, 2019 that's how he'd been manipulated he came to power with the idea that he's going to look into Putin's eyes and the war will be stopped he would carry the bangles uh, with the names of people who were killed in Russian-Ukrainian war to try and stop the killing. And now he's facing thousands of people being killed and hundreds of children. So obviously he, this also what helps uh, him to be a strong leader because this goes against his moral values. Let's um, have another piece of music now, Zivinka, so we can ponder what you've been saying. So the uh, song is Netvoya Vina, uh, meaning this is not your war. And it was written in 2015 by uh, Svetoslav Vokarchuk um, uh, from the band Okean Elze. He is massively popular in um, all uh, Eastern Europe and uh, also in um, other countries. 
has been very successful uh, rock uh, musician and the song is um, about the agency of individual that uh, every time in a difficult situation it's the individual that takes their decision so uh, in in this um, song this is not your war it means that every time the war is actually inside you and you as individual have to make that difficult choice Sitani Son Seidem Malochto Znaje Shosh Burznem Shoburzatra Hilla Kaleh, 
listening to Ukrainian music on People of Note this week because my guest is Zvinka Katra, who is the co-founder and honorary president of the Ukraine Association of South Africa. And Zvinka, just say what we've just, tell us what we've just listened to, that song. What was that? We were listening to Svetoslav Vakarchuk, Okean Elze song, Netvoya Vina, Not Yo Wo. You know, talking about music, we have quite a lot of CDs here of the Ukrainian National Symphony Orchestra, which is a very fine orchestra and is often conducted by Theodor Kuchar, who's been to Cape Town many times. And you said you know him. Yes, uh, we, we met, I think, um, uh, generally uh, studying uh, music and um, ballet is very popular in uh, Ukraine. Uh, so ordinary citizens would uh, uh, go on a weekend to opera house. Uh, so okay. Lots of so th- there are orchestras and symphony concerts and operas and ballet. In majority of uh, big uh, cities um, uh, like Odessa, Lviv, uh, Kiev, they have uh, opera houses. Yeah. The thing you were saying earlier about um, Russia, do the older people in Ukraine, are they sympathetic to Russia, older people or young people? Are people sympathetic to Russia, Ukrainians? Uh, I think um, we need to understand that everything develops and it depends on the outside factors as well. So before... And on information. Uh, yes, and on of information course. which remains uh, free in Ukraine. Yes, but not uh, in Russia. Yes, not in Russia. Uh, so before 2014, in every presidential elections, there would be this game between who is pro-Russian candidate, who is pro-Ukrainian candidate, because political parties know very well the wounds of society, and they are played excellently. So if, for example, for South African society, the race is a tricky card. It's usually played at the elections or the land also is brought at every elections. Similarly, in the Ukraine, the question of language and being pro-Russian, pro-European would be brought to every elections before 2014. So what has changed in 2014? It's Russia invaded Crimea and the two eastern uh, regions of Ukraine. And that war completely changed the perception within Ukraine. It also was the reason why our association got together. Previously, mm-hmm. you know, all Eastern Europeans were seen, uh, our communities are not so big, so we can all hang out together. Uh, but that has changed. That changed our identity in 2014 because suddenly Russia, that was seen as a friend, as a brother, traditional narrative, has attacked us. 
And in that war, 15,000 Ukrainians died, 1.5 million became refugees. We are talking about 2014, not now. So in that time, the understanding of NATO, the perception of NATO has changed in one month. Because now we often say like, oh, Ukraine wanted to be NATO. We didn't want to be NATO before 2014. Majority of people, 60% of people were against Ukraine joining NATO in February 2014, while we got 60% pro-NATO in March 2014. And why? Simply because we realized we can't protect our land. We can't be neutral if you are uh, attacked in a military way. So similarly, in 2014, more people died defending our land, defending Ukraine from traditionally pro-Russian regions than from pro-Ukrainian regions because Russian war came in the east where there are more uh, pro-Russian people. So if we talk about at the moment, I don't think you will find more than 5% of people who would think that Ukraine and Russia can be friends because at the moment the whole country has been bombed. It doesn't matter what you thought about, uh, you know, your choices previously. At the moment, you're just trying to survive and hide from bombs. And this massive flood of refugees into Poland and elsewhere in England is being very difficult for some strange reason, uh, accepting refugees. I think we uh, we would like to talk about South Africa because South African government still does not allow uh, Ukrainian family members to come and we really hope that uh, Dirko will make changes so that Ukrainians would be allowed to come and stay oh, with their that. families in South Africa. At the moment there is no way even how to apply for tourism visa because those who fled outside of Ukraine, they go to the embassy for example in Switzerland and they are sent please apply in the country of origin but <laughs> there is no more embassy our no, ambassador, South African no. ambassador has already fled Ukraine and uh, so there is no mechanism how those Ukrainians who are in Ukraine or left Ukraine already can apply for visa to come and stay for the period of the war with their relatives. So we really hope that South African government uh, can make this change that our families can stay with us for the duration of this uh, horrific conflict. I didn't know that, Zvinka, and that's sad to hear in view of our relationship, the two countries. But it's something presumably are you working on as part of the uh, Ukrainian Association or is that beyond your remit? Yes, we are uh, trying uh, with all our forces, obviously uh, limited because we don't have uh, such a direct contact, but we are trying to raise awareness among South Africans and also through our protests we wrote to Minister Lady Pando uh, about this issue. We also uh, asked a few of the lawyers uh, and also those who are trying to get uh, South African students from Ukraine to also help us because we feel like we are in the situation together. We Mm. want uh, all people from Ukraine, whether they are foreigners or Ukrainians, to be out of Ukraine safely. And uh, we also want uh, our family members to uh, be in a safe situation. Isn't it sad also we were talking about um, fake news and all that because I'm sure the Russian people would not be pro this war. They've been given false information in Russia. The Russian people wouldn't want what's happening in Ukraine to happen, would they? Yes, I think it's a very difficult situation to be. Also, just a few days ago, um, Russia has implemented a new legislation that now allows to send someone for 15 years to prison if they talk about 
uh, Russian war in Ukraine. Um, so it, it, I would feel that uh, obviously the best if uh, Russian people would protest before that war started uh, yeah, because the yeah. control that uh, Putin has over Russia, it just makes uh, Russian people poorer. And um, at the moment, uh, Russian soldiers and the uh, Ukrainian uh, side is reporting more than 12,000 of uh, Russian soldiers already killed uh, in Ukraine. This are your sons. Please stop them from going into those tanks and killing Ukrainians. You're going to save your children as well. Um, I really hope that um, Russian people would um, have more courage more of that agency that we spoke about in the previous song to stand against the government at the moment and to stop this war because I really deeply feel that this is responsibility of Russian citizens to do it. And Zvinka, indeed, you must, it must be horrible for you to be so far away from home watching what's going on in your country being bombed. We had this week, for example, that awful bombing of a hospital for children, a maternity home, children and it was unbelievable to see what had happened, and it must be very tricky for you to be so far away and be seeing the devastation to your country. Yes, uh, it's uh, it, uh, yeah. I don't think there are even uh, words to describe the emotions that you go through when you watch your hun country being completely uh, destroyed. And but it's even sadder that the price is paid by people around the world, including South Africans, paying for Putin to kill Ukrainians with petrol prices, with the increase in food prices. And I don't know if everybody realizes that it's our money that are now paying for this war. Gosh, that's a thought. That's something to ponder. Zvinka, as we come to the end of this interview now, and I know we could carry on talking because it's a huge story, is there any way people can help? Do you have anything to say to our listeners about how they can help you? Yes, Ukrainian Association of South Africa is uh, collecting humanitarian aid uh, donations. Uh, so we don't take uh, clothes or any food items. Uh, we only take donations to procure medical uh, supply for those who are wounded or suffering because at the moment there are thousands and thousands of uh, people who were wounded and we hope that um, your donations can um, help to save lives of um, uh, Ukrainians uh, right now. Even we are very aware that uh, there is a war that is happening in the communities of South Africa every day. But uh, in this situation, uh, we believe this is our common war. This is war against corruption. This is war for democracy, for freedom, and we can fight it together. We would be grateful for all the donations uh, to Ukrainian Association. We are partnering here with the gift of the givers to that would help to deliver the uh, goods to Ukraine. Uh, at the moment, we already started uh, feeding one of the orphanages that has had to flee and move to the western part of Ukraine to the safer territory, but uh, those uh, kids don't have an opportunity to receive the state funding that they received uh, previously because um, the social systems just don't work at war. And how do people get money to you? You can go to the webpage www.uaza.coza and, um, and donate 
Zvinka, it's been fascinating talking to you, and it's also tragic talking to you. And our hearts go out to you and the people of Ukraine here on Fine Music Radio. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge with us. What are we going to end with musically? It is a t- difficult choice. I've uh, had three songs, and unfortunately we ran out of uh, time. I had a collaboration between Ukrainian and South African artists, also the Tvorchi uh, band, uh, which is uh, two students uh, from uh, Nigeria and uh, Ukraine that have been uh, competing for Eurovision. But I think we really need to uh, finish with a song, uh, 1944, by Jamala. Uh, that uh, song won uh, Eurovision for Ukraine. And uh, it's about um, removal of uh, Crimean Tatars. Uh, so uh, Jamala is a singer. Her dad is from Crimea Tatars. Uh, and in 1944, Stalin has removed all Crimean Tatars from the uh, semi-island. And they were only allowed to return after 1991. Unfortunately, Jamala's family had to leave uh, Crimea in 2014 because of Russian aggression once. And now she had to flee again from uh, Kiev. So while her family, her husband and uh, um, friends, uh, the band members remaining in uh, Kiev, defending the country, she was her two children, is currently in Turkey and has been using her voice to call for help for Ukraine. So I hope that uh, our South African listeners today listen to the song and also stand with Ukraine. We also invite everybody to join the protests um, uh, of Ukrainian associations. Uh, On Tuesday, there will be hearing at the parliament uh, on uh, Ukrainian issues at 3 p.m. So if you are willing to support with uh, your presence, you're welcome. Zavinka, thank you very much, and we'll play out with that song now, and all strength to your arm and to your association. Thank you for what you've done. Thanks. Thanks for having me. When strangers are coming, they come to your house, they kill you all and say, we're not guilty. Where is your mind? Humanity cries You think you are God But everyone dies Don't swallow my soul Our souls
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FMR 101.3